In today's show, we're talking Golden State Warriors. They've made some moves in the offseason. Is it enough to push them back into the title conversation? We're going to find out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at locked on fantasy basketball. Thank you for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We're available on all platforms. We're going to talk Golden State Warriors. Quite a bit to talk about. Quite a different team. Quite a few lineup combinations they can go with. We'll get into it right now. All right, let's bring him in. The host of the Locked On Warriors podcast, Cyrus Satsas, is here. Cyrus, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about with this Warriors team. It was a really weird season for them um, last season with all of the stuff going on with the Draymond and Jordan Poole situation, the weird home and road splits. And in the end, it just didn't didn't get as far as they wanted to. Semi-final knockout in the playoffs, but there are some big changes that they made. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later. We'll just cover some of the basics to start things off. Um, the change in the roster, Chris Paul, that's the big big change. Chris Paul arrives. They also draft Brandon Pajemski, Trace Jackson Davis. They sign two veterans in free agency, Dario Saric and Corey Joseph. And then out is Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo, Anthony Lamb, Ty Jerome, Andre Iguodala, who we assume is retiring, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins. As you'll see, young players out, older, mm-hmm. older players in Cyrus correct so is that like a is that a, we know we heard the two timelines and all these lottery picks that they had accumulated through those weird down periods is this a right we've got Steph we've got Dre we've got Clay we've just we have to go in now and we can't we can't straddle the fence anymore yeah this was basically uh the the roster decisions made this last offseason um represented uh, uh, I don't know if it's a change in direction but it's just more a full-on commitment to winning now um, you know, Joe Lake have actually disputed the whole two timeline narrative yeah. this last offseason when someone brought it up. He was like, I don't know where that that uh, adage came from. You know, we just we just all we try to do is is plan on winning each year. Although uh, I had locked on Warriors listeners uh, immediately tell me he did, in fact, say it in previous interviews. Whatever. I digress. The point is, uh, the goal right now is win now. Um, and Steve Kerr is very confident that this team can win a title. I don't share that confidence. Um, but that's what this uh, roster is designed for, to win now. I I think they're in the mix. I wouldn't say that they yeah. are the favorites, I, but if you ended out at the end of next season or end of this coming season, they were the champions. I wouldn't go, oh man, that's wild. That's so crazy. I can't believe that right. happened. I think they, they are in that mix. And we're going to talk more about some of the other changes they made on this roster a little bit later on. In terms of injuries, there's nothing really major heading into the offseason. Chris Paul, of course, missed time in the playoffs with his groin injury, but there's nothing to um, indicate that that's going to be any issue. And here is the, the, the big the big question. I don't know what... I mean, I Josh, sorry to interrupt you, but except for the fact that he's done that literally almost every yeah. postseason of his career, but I digress. <laughs> That's true, and I've just realized that I've got. I'm gonna. We're gonna talk starting five in a second, and I've just realized that my graphic is incorrect. So I'm just gonna pause the show and fix it up. 
All right, so after that behind-the-scenes stuff that we're all, we're all sorted out now, Cyrus, I've got your starting five. The graphic is correct. We're on the screen. And you predict that it's going to be the same boring one that we got last year. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kavon Looney. But, of course, the question is, like, Chris Paul or Kavon Looney. Now, Chris Paul was asked this question, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And he's like, yeah, but are you the coach? I haven't heard anything about that, which was a, uh-huh. little, a little bristly from him, but that doesn't necessarily yes. mean anything. I, I do tend to agree that this is the best starting lineup, but I'm also not convinced that this is the lineup that they go with. What is, is this what you're thinking is best or are you hearing stuff from the team that this is what they'll do? Um, There hasn't been anything like leaked or there isn't really much discussion behind the scenes right now because Steve Kerr is coaching Team USA. Oh, yeah. He's the one who's the ultimate decision maker for this. Um, and then, like I said, you saw that 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 interview. This was back yeah, about a month or so ago when Chris Paul was uh, first uh, being introduced to the Warriors, and he was asked about his role. And and he, like you said, he bristled uh, with a snarky re- reply, uh, asking the reporter if they're one of the coaches on the team. Um, look, the the thing is, Chris Paul has never come off the benches in, in his entire career. This mm-hmm. is a player who's now thirty eight years old. Uh, from his rookie year on, he has always started. Um, I, I think most people, I don't know how you feel about this, but most people usually sense that the, the five most important players on a team's roster are the ones who finish the game, not necessarily who starts. Um, but nonetheless, some players, whether it's ego, pride, whatever you want to attribute to it, really care about being a starter. And this is definitely an issue for Chris Paul that he cares about. Um, now, look, if you decide to go ahead and put Chris Paul in as your starter, um, you have one of the smallest, if maybe the smallest team in the NBA. Um, I, I personally don't like the idea of Stephen Curry being your shooting guard. Don't mind it offensively. I mind it defensively. If you have a backcourt that is Chris mm. Paul at six feet, Stephen Curry at six two, six three, other teams are going to exploit that. And I, I think that's why Steve Kerr um, may be hesitant to uh, to start Chris Paul. And then there's also the, the the fact that when you look at Chris Paul's role with the Warriors and, and where he brings the most value, I don't think it's in the starting lineup. I think it's as a, a sixth man leading a second unit that has some young players in it who need veteran guidance um, on the court. And for for his value, that's what he brings to the table for this Warriors team. The, the Warriors' current starting five led the NBA last year, and it wasn't even close, by the way, uh, in net rating. Yeah. You can make the argument that the sample size wasn't big enough given uh, Andrew Wiggins was battling injuries all year, so they didn't really play together since December. And then when they did play together again in the postseason, they got slaughtered. But uh, from from for November and December, uh, those two, three months, the Warriors' starting five was the best, and it wasn't close uh, in the NBA. The Denver Nuggets were a distant second. Um, so it, it, I don't think logically it makes sense to, to start Chris Paul um, but again, you also don't want to have a disgruntled Chris Paul. So if he kind of makes this like an issue, you might have to start him just to keep things calm. You mentioned about yeah, being important thing is the group that closes games. And you talk about, yeah, if you go small to start off, you might get slaughtered. But also if you go small to close with Chris Paul and Steph at the one and the two and Draymond at five, like you also might get slaughtered in that in that regard so like, is there a chance that paul doesn't start or, or doesn't close and he sort of just he intertwines with other lineups but when they're really like going full out at the start and, and at the end that he's maybe not a part of that yeah i mean the, the, i don't me personally i i don't see the, the chris paul closing games to be as big of a concern the the biggest issue with starting with a small lineup is you're putting a lot of burden and stress and pressure on draymond green and andrew wiggins 
to handle the front court load. And those two are far smaller than any other front court that they would hypothetically match up with. And so if you start with a front court like that, those two could wear down fast. You might not even have them of, at, at full strength at the end of the game. Whereas if you kind of save their energy and you pace uh, you know, the, the, the 48 minutes so that you have your, your N5 is fresh at that moment. And in all likelihood, whoever you're, you're playing is also going to go smaller. I mean, that's just how the game is gone. But starting lineups don't trend in that same regard as much as uh, the, the five you see at the end of the game. So I, I don't mind Chris Paul uh, playing at the end as much. I mean, this is a veteran who has seen it all, who has been there. They, I don't think it would hurt the Warriors to have a, a player like Chris Paul who has this exemplary mid-range shot, um, who is an exemplary passer, and even though he's 38, still is a solid defender for his size. Um, I, I personally don't mind it as much at the end of games. But if you're starting games now, you know, because usually you're starting five, they're going to stay together on the court at least three minutes, typically six. And those are six minutes that your opposition can just completely take advantage of. And, and so the Warriors might face deficits at the start of every game. And I don't think that's a situation they want to find themselves in. I'm with you. Regardless, if Chris Paul is playing significant minutes, that's a small five. And I, I, I that's where I'm not really blown away with the Chris Paul move. I was kind of hoping for something to complement that move. Uh, we never really saw it. Um, so now, you know, we're just it's a matter of faith. Steve Kerr believes in this group. and We'll see if his faith uh, will be restored. We'll get into the rest of the rotation in just a second, but today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook. Football season is here, and Fangio is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time that they win in the regular season. Pick any team you want to win the Super Bowl. Maybe it's the 49ers. Every win they get during the regular season We'll get you bonus bets. Simple as that. They win seven games. They win eight games. They win nine games. The more games they win, the more bonus bets you get back. And you can use those bonus bets on spreads, money lines, player props, over-unders, futures, whatever it is you want to do. FanDuel has it there for you. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can earn those bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Brings us brings us in, Cyrus, to the rotation where there's a lot of guys, they are going to lose a lot of players, but I think the main five we got here, we've got Chris Paul, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Dario Saric, and Gary Payton the second. Is Dario mm-hmm. is Dario Saric the tallest player on this team? Easily, like by far, yeah. The tallest player on the team last year was Patrick Baldwin Jr., oh, yeah. um, their rookie. They traded him. Uh, the Warriors had a, a moment there before they signed Saric where they were even smaller than they were. So, yes, Dario Saric is their biggest player. So... We look at the guys that that came and went on this team. Is this a worse or better rim protecting squad than it was last season, or is it That's the same? A question. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to say different, uh, just because they've they've never really been much of a rim rim protecting team. Certainly not no. since they had like Javale McGee. I mean, Willie Cauley Stein was I think the last seven footer on this roster, and that was back in like 2020. Um, I, you know, I don't have a clear cut answer for you in terms of why the Warriors have such an aversion to taller players. Um, you know, Steve Kerr has been asked this. He usually uh, references spacing offensively and being able to switch at any point defensively. Basically, Steve Kerr sees a small lineup as a, a lineup that allows him to play the zone defensively. That's that's the freedom that he gets. But there are taller players who have skill sets that can still complement, uh, uh, you know, a, a switch-heavy defense, spacing offensively. So the, the size thing issue is an issue, and, and it really showed itself last year. Um, 
but I I can't think of a, a really shot block. I don't even even know if Dario Saric is much. No, of he's a not. He's terrible. He's yeah, bad. I mean, yeah. He, he brings size, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's but but look, the Warriors are are uh, they believe firmly in team defense. Like they, they're not an they don't subscribe to the philosophy of isolation defense. They're there, they, you know, there's an there's an old phrase that they you've heard this for years with the Warriors. They play defense on a string, meaning every player has each other's back. Meaning they are switch heavy defense, but they also communicate. They they do their research before games to know which player has uh, the, the best strength against certain opposing players. So you know when to switch, when not to switch. Um, that is part of the reason why basketball IQ is very important on this team for reasons like team defense, knowing when to switch, knowing who to defend, uh, and and so. The, the teams never really cared that much about the shot blocker. I mean, even when they had like JaVale McGee, I mean, he he spent he played sparse minutes in the Western Conference Finals uh, against Clint Capella and the Rockets. Um, you know, Kerr doesn't care about that much for it. So we'll see if that impacts them or not. But yes, Dario Sharge is one of the very few players that gives the Warriors size. I reckon Steve Kerr would care more about it if he didn't have Draymond Green there that just cuts off everything. And part of, yeah. There. Green's rim protection is not this hyper-athletic guy that's just getting up and challenging everything. He just stops the shots happening, and he can block them, and his timing is exquisite. But if he wasn't there, then, yeah, I reckon Steve Kerr might say, yeah, yeah size might be important. It, it helps when you've got one of the best defensive players of all time on your team, and that, that cuts a lot of that off. So do you think, back to the Chris Paul stuff, yeah. there's, no, there's no chance he plays 30 minutes a night on this team, I, I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, even though it surprises me how many minutes Monty Williams played him when he was in Phoenix. Uh, mm. And in all honesty, it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of the reason why the team moved on from Monty. I never personally understood it. Um, you know, you, ideally for a postseason push, you want to keep an older player like Chris Paul fresh for the playoffs. Yet even last year, turning 38, he still uh, averaged over 30 minutes. I don't see that happening here. I've, I've literally had medical professionals um, who cover sports, uh, who are who practice sports medicine on Locked On Warriors, talking to them about you know the, what the plan is. Uh, Rick Celebrini, who heads the medical staff of the Golden State Warriors, has done an exemplary job. Uh, you know the the the, the prime uh, example for his excellence in terms of what he does was Otto Porter Jr. two years ago. This is yeah. a player who was practically out of the NBA because of that left foot being con- continually injured. And the game plan for Otto Porter Jr. is what I think is going to happen with Chris Paul, where I don't know if we're going to see him play a lot of back-to-backs. Um, I imagine there's going to be a minute restriction on him, maybe 25. Um, certainly if he doesn't start, I don't know if we'll see him for 30 minutes a night. I think 25 will be the number they aim for. Um, but if they push him the way they did, it, what's the point? I mean, you're, you're doing all this for the postseason. Uh, the Warriors have been cognizant in terms of uh, being of uh, just how a, an individual does not have a, a, a limitless reserve of energy. When the postseason comes, if a player has been playing nearly 40 minutes a game, they're going to show that exhaustion come postseason. So the Warriors pace their players, and that's what I expect from Chris Paul is a slight reduction in minutes, uh, not a lot of back-to-backs. That there's a, there's a, that's why they signed Corey Joseph. That's why they wanted a third point guard was to give Chris Paul some space so he could be fresh for the postseason. Corey Joseph's 32 as well, which is uh, a little surprised to see he was 32, but he has been around for a long time. But let's talk, yeah. switch from old players to talking about some of the younger players because there are four guys on this team who are under the age of 23. Moses Moody's 21, Kaminga's still only 20, Brandon Pajemski's 20, and then Lester Kinones, who was back on a, a two-way, I thought played really well in summer league. He's 22 as Great. well. Um, 
Let's talk about Moses Moody because I, in my mind, the last two years he's done pretty well in the playoffs. He stepped up in those areas. I like his he's stout defensively. He can move the yes. ball. He doesn't get lost in schemes. I think he's a good shooter. But then when the regular season comes around, he sort of goes missing, and Kerr doesn't necessarily trust him. To me, and I've said this since before their draft here, I always valued Moody as a better player than Kaminga and a better prospect. Um, mm. But in terms of where he fits on this team, it's it feels still like it's going to be more of the same because you know Gary Payton's there next to him and Clay and Steph are in front of him. So it's just another year of like bench minutes for, for both him and for John Kaminga. I, I mean, the, 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 the Kerr's trust, Kerr's trust issue with these young players um, was a, a subject of concern and a subject of focus on locked on warriors all last year. I did not for a second agree with that decision. Moses Moody has never once shown me any reason why he should not be playing um, and, and I think the fact that Mo- Moses Moody suddenly became a part of the rotation in the postseason, even though he missed 19 games um, because of DNPs and, and being assigned to, to Santa Cruz, the G League team, um, it, it made no sense. I'm with you. I, I'm not with you in terms of him having a higher ceiling than Jonathan Kaminga, if that's what you're implying. But I do agree that he has a very high ceiling. I love Moses Moody. Um, I, again, I did not understand the decision last year to not play him for large stretches of the season uh you know it just didn't make sense especially when you consider that come postseason he was suddenly playing all the time and the, and steve kerr remembered oh yeah he's actually a good player so um but i i i think he's gonna play i think he's gonna be in the rotation this year um and a large reason for that is i'm hoping kerr is aware of the fact that if moses moody and jonathan kaminga do not have full-time roles this season when i say full-time i don't mean a starter but i do mean a longer leash where they're getting 20, 25 plus minutes a night, regardless of whether or not they're struggling to start games. That was a point of, of criticism for Steve Kerr last year is whenever these young players would come in the game, oh, if they yeah. started off slow, he would just yank them immediately and you never saw him again for the rest of the game. But some people need time. Some people just uh, start slowly. And I don't know if that, that did any service for these individuals in terms of building confidence um, and just giving them experience, which is the best uh, teaching methodology is 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 learn as you do. So um, I I do think they're going to play. I do think Moses Moody will get his run this year. I to me if if Steve Kerr plays uh, pulls the same act uh, this year that he did last year with Kaminga and Moody, the Warriors have no shot at a championship. Those two have to step up, um, and they're going to get the run. I, I do believe that. I don't think that the same thing is going to happen as it did last year. Partly because if Moses Moody doesn't play. Um, the only alternative is going to be Corey Joseph. Last year, for some reason, uh, Ty Jerome was a crutch for Steve Kerr. He just couldn't help but play him repeatedly, and that did not result in in uh, a positive, you know, outcome. Didn't result in success. He doesn't have that crutch this year. So I'm hoping, without that crutch being there, we're going to see more Moses Moody. But uh, yeah, I hope that answered your question. We got. Yeah, look, Moody played, what, 13 minutes a night. Kaminga played 21 a night. And basically, you're right. It was Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb who were playing the roles that Kaminga and Moody should be stepping into this season. Um, Back to your original thing about talking about whether I say that Moody has a better potential than Kaminga. Yeah, I do believe he does. Because Kaminga, yes, is a better athlete. But the things that I've seen with Kaminga and things that I hear about Kaminga just means that the lack of feel or lack of some of the other stuff that goes on makes me a little bit worried of him ever getting anywhere close to that. Whereas I know that if you just put Moody into a role, like he's going to be able to do it. He scales up, he scales down, he can shoot, he can defend, he can pass. He can do all those things. I'm going to cut you off there real fast just because whoever you've heard that from is full of, you know what, like 
every person I've spoken to, and this includes Hall of Fame players, former coaches, execs, one of the biggest compliments they've given for Jonathan Kaminga is that he, in fact, does have a, a tremendous feel for the game. Um, his Kaminga's biggest weakness has just been inexperience. He, he didn't play college ball. Uh, so when he came into the league, he was a raw player with one year of G League Ignite experience. But he did play under Brian Shaw, uh, who's who's a solid uh, a coach, former head coach in the NBA. Um, I, I, I don't agree with that premise. I don't know if that's just what you've a conclusion you've come to from your from yourself uh, seeing him. But anyone who has criticized Kaminga for not having a feel for the game, I will gladly debate that. I, I do not agree with that. I think Kaminga has first of all, Kaminga has has developed both his hands. He's ambidextrous. Um, so you can't really defend one side or the other. He will go to the, he will attack the rim with his left as strong as with his right. He has a solid post-up game. His shooting increased tremendously last year in terms of efficiency. He shot over 37% from three, I think 52% or 53 from, from the field overall. Um, and his workout videos this offseason, look, I know you can't read that much into it, but he looks like a totally different player from whatever this re- workout regimen is that I've seen this offseason in terms of the clips. He looks much faster. Um, you know, like I'm not seeing the the hesitancy with the ball handling and the decision making. We'll see what happens. But um, I think there's a reason why the Warriors didn't trade him um, because th- there was a lot of speculation this offseason that teams wanted to trade for Kaminga. Um, and I think the Warriors held on to him for a reason. I, I think they do believe in him, and, I- and I'm thankful for that. Uh, we'll see. I really hope you're wrong, Josh. I really well, do. Yeah, this is it. This is this is make or break for for those two guys. I think this season, yep. it's year three. Look, something something's got to give either way, and we'll see where that all uh, where that ends up. All right. Here's a question. It's I don't know if it's an elephant in the room, but where's Clay Thompson at? Because he started off last season poorly. He played better in the second half, and he wasn't particularly strong in the playoffs. Obviously, we know the reasons why. 900 days without playing basketball, two devastating injuries, which 10 years ago a career ended, and he suffered both of them uh, back-to-back. But at his advanced age, there was some issues with mobility. And just where is he at? Is he getting to a stage of being like a contract extension coming up potentially as well? Where is he at in terms of that play? What did you? How did you view his uh, overall playoffs last season and how that takes him into into next season? Clay Thompson to me is the is by far the biggest concern um, because on one hand his supporters will say, look, he led the NBA in three pointers made last year, but mm-hmm. then you could counter that by saying he had one of his worst seasons in terms of close range shooting. Like he was awful. His two point shooting percentage inside the arc was bad. Um, he also had his best offensive month in his entire career in February. And, but then he followed that with regression and regression. And the correlation may have been that he started playing back to backs. He was held out from that, uh, throughout the season until January, February. And then he started playing back to backs. Um, who knows if conditioning was, was the, the, the problem there where he regressed. Um, Clay Thompson is a massive, massive concern for me because, he is going to turn 34 this year, and there is a possibility that Clay Thompson is a player who, in his mind, still thinks he's one of the best, but in reality, he's fading. He's regressing. He's aging. He's getting older. Um, his his three-point shooting in the postseason last year was abysmal. It was horrendous. Uh, you know, if he actually makes shots, they beat the Lakers. It's It really comes down to that, and he missed – he just wasn't dependable, and – one of my concerns this offseason was if Clay doesn't if, – if this is a trend that continues where he regresses and he's turning into a shell of himself, um, who's who's going to be the second scorer for the Warriors? Like, I, they traded Jordan Poole. Yeah. Chris Paul's never been, like, a high-volume scorer. Um, so if Clay is continuing down this trajectory of regression, 
who's going to help Steph in terms of scoring? Like, like the Warriors have a problem there, and and that's where I was kind of expecting a trade or, or, or a secondary move besides Chris Paul, and we never saw it. Um, so to me, the, the fortunes of the Warriors in a lot of ways comes down to Clay. Now, the good news is um, last offseason, he did not um, exercise his normal conditioning regimen. Uh, chief among that is playing uh, uh, like blacktop uh, uh, basketball, like playground basketball um, in L.A. That's one of his primary routines in the summer. Um, but that's also how he blew his Achilles. And so he had this mental block last year in the offseason where he couldn't do it. He couldn't play. Uh, he just couldn't play bla- uh, playground basketball. And Clay Thompson last year, as a physical specimen, did look his age. Like he looked mm. a little bigger weight wise. Um, he didn't look as lean as he normally does. And his shooting reflected that late in the season. Again, he he made three-pointers in volume. His three-point percentage was fine in the regular season. It was not fine in the postseason. His two-point shooting was not fine. And, um, yeah, I, to me, the Warriors' fortunes will hinge largely on Clay Thompson and whether or not we're going to see the old Clay or, we're, we're, or whether we're going to see a Clay that is aging and is just a shell of himself. I wish I had a, a clear answer for you, but it's certainly one of the things I'm looking at closely. I am very curious to see which Clay Thompson emerges this year because you're right. He's, he's due for a contract extension. That's part of why losing Bob Myers hurts. Bob Myers was one, was one of the very few individuals who could have approached Clay Thompson with the rhetoric of, look, you're turning, you're going to be 35 uh, in year one of your extension. You can't be getting $43 million. Uh, I don't know if Clay has that type of relationship with Mike Dunleavy Jr., the new Warriors GM, where he could have that conversation. Um, Clay, the Clay part of all this is fascinating, and I'm not very encouraged. Uh, if he proves me wrong and dips into a fountain of youth, I'm going to be ecstatic. Uh, but I'm telling Dub Nation, don't hold your breath for that because history does not show aging players usually just bouncing back uh, when every 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 uh, measurable is showing that the, the regression is very much in play. The thing I, I think that's part of the the larger concern with Clay also is the last four games in the playoffs, he averaged 10 points a game. And yes. that's our last memory of that. And I think the last game he shot 15% from the field and had eight points in like 40 minutes against the Lakers. So that's the last thing we saw. But there were stretches of, of good play and he averaged 21 points a game during the regular season. There were some, some moments. But the last thing we saw is like, oh no, like what, what's going on here? Now, you don't expect him to be that bad of a shooter, but it does leave a concern um, yes. in your mind. Now, speaking of another concern, what would you say is the singular biggest concern overall? Is it the size of the team or is it the injury history of Steph? Clay, Wiggins missed a bunch of times, some of it personal, some of it injury. Draymond's had injuries. Um, like Chris Paul, I don't even know if I said him. Like, what's the bigger concern? Like an injury to one of these guys or the overall size? Yeah, I mean, injuries, you can, you can make an argument about that for every team. I mean, look, if, if Steph sure. or one of these guys gets hurt, yeah, they're done. I mean, there's no yeah. question. But you can see, make that case for almost any team. Like if, if Devin Booker is injured for the Suns, they're screwed. If uh, Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray is injured for the Nuggets, mm. they're screwed. So the injury thing is obviously part of it. because, and, and I'm guessing you bring it up largely because of the Warriors' age and yes. that the last few years they've been experiencing that more so. And I get it. That's a concern. Um, above that, what concerns me is what you referenced, the size. They are a very small team. Um, but I also am concerned about depth. I mean, this is a this is a team that, um, you know, we were talking off the air about how on your chart, for example, you went 10 deep uh, for the Warriors. But in, in all their championship years, they went 14 deep. 
uh, 13, 14 deep with these rosters. Uh, the, the adage strength in numbers rings very true when it comes to the Warriors. To put it in perspective, when they won the title two years ago, their very end-of-the-bench guys was Damian Lee, who's actually now a, a, a solid rotation piece for the Suns, and Juan Toscano-Anderson, who might come back to the team this year. They were getting run. They were getting real minutes on this team. Um, the 15th player on that year's roster was James Wiseman. He wasn't playing because he was injured all season. So they do rely on their bench. They do rely on a lot of different individuals stepping up, uh, depending on the opposition and who the best fit is. I don't know if they have that depth this year. I, I like Corey Joseph, um, you know, but he's what six two, six three. Yeah, um, so when you look at the, the the bigger players, and and you know, my question is, where's the depth there? You got Dario Saric, yes. Uh, you're going to be relying on Trace Jackson Davis, who's a rookie. He did play four years, and he's the progeny of Dale Davis, and and he played exemplary ball at Indiana. So there's some reason to be excited for him, but he's still a rookie. We have no idea what, what we're going to see with him. Yeah, there is a concern here with, with size and with depth. Um, and then those those are on top of the injury concerns because you're right. This is an aging team, and uh, who knows if they'll hold up. I, I keep telling I keep telling uh, members of Dub Nation this about Steph is is you know he's going to turn 36 this year mm. and he is missing a lot of games year after year that is evidence of aging that's what happens to aging players look at lebron james i mean he's, he's averaging what 50 plus games a year for the last three four years now aging players get hurt that's a part of the game and and so you know that's where chris paul's value will step in but he's also 38 i mean so he could get injured too he has his own injury history uh I, yeah there's a lot of concern uh, and yeah, there's a lot of concern. <laughs> um, all right, let's... Well, the other thing is there's only 13 guys on this roster, so they've still got at least one roster spot they need to fill, but there's Correct. only 13 players here, so someone, someone's got to join the team. We'll see who it is, at least one right. person. Um, who's your breakout candidate for the team? Jonathan Kaminga. Okay. Jonathan Kaminga has a, a... There is a potential for Jonathan Kaminga for him to turn into like a... a 15 and eight player this year. Um, you know, it, it, rebounding has been a focus on him. Steve Kerr mentioned it. Jonathan Kaminga admitted it in his exit interview that this part of his game he's going to work on. Um, the team is going to need that from him. He's more of a wing. I, I wish the Warriors didn't have such a dependence on Jonathan Kaminga to be more of like a power forward. It's not naturally his position, um, but that's that's what they need from him. He is six eight. He's one of their bigger players. Um, but I also think I saw signs of it last year. I love his shooting form. It looks awkward to some people. To me, it's almost identical to Jimmy Chitwood, uh, the protagonist in uh, the movie Hoosiers. Um, their shooting form is almost identical. He's got a beautiful stroke. Um, he's worked on his ball handling. Uh, he was for three months last year. He was counted on uh, in terms of being their number one defender. He was routinely assigned the opposing team's best offensive player uh, for his defensive assignment. And oftentimes he he was exceptional in that role. Um, so that's my that's that's my guess would be for a breakout player is Jonathan Kaminga because I think the team and Kerr is aware that if they're going to be legitimate contenders this year, he has to be a huge part of it. If if he's not, I don't think the Warriors stand a chance. He, he does. He needs it because you know guys are going to miss time and he's going to be given opportunities Correct. to start games. He does need to step up and rebounding. Like his rebounding rate was abysmal last season, so it does need to improve to uh, to, to get that onto that next level. What about abysmal Ur strong. Abysmal strong. Like, per, uh, like per 36, he's on pace with five. Like Hawaii and guys like that. But Five five but, per 36 he averaged as a starter. Uh, let me check. I had that, actually had the numbers just up. Let's have a look. He averaged six, sorry, six rebounds per 36 minutes as a six foot eight power forward. That's pretty rough. That's Paul that's. Ford. Oh, come he's on. a small forward. That, that's nah. where I don't I don't agree nah. that he's not a power forward. He's he's drafted as a wing. 
Um, he's, you know, he's six eight, but he's not like two fifty jacked up either. You know, like he, he's physically not designed to to body up against like a, 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 another six eight power forward out there. I don't. That's where like LeBron six eight, but th- you you would not see Kaminga and LeBron match up. LeBron would eat him alive. I mean, Kaminga doesn't have that level of physicality. That's where I think it's unfair if if Kerr expects him to be LeBron. I, he's not there yet in his career. Uh, not a twenty, but yeah. Let's. What about a regression candidate? There's quite a few, obviously, with the age of these players. We've, would you say it's Clay? Would you, like who's who's a chance to take Clay. a step backwards? Yeah, I think it has to be yeah. because again, his regular season was okay. There were some bad moments early on, but you know, if it follows the trajectory of the playoffs, then it's not very good. Now, here's the big question: If this team is making a trade, who is the number one candidate to be moved on? Chris Paul. Uh, there okay. is there is a possibility that the Chris Paul experiment will blow up in the Warriors' faces and the the Warriors will suddenly look at Paul not as a salvation coming off the bench, but as an asset um, to get something back for the future or maybe even for for the season. Maybe they'll still be in contention, but Chris Paul just isn't working out. Um, So that is my – that would be number one on my list is Chris Paul. I'm guessing some people might bring up Kaminga or Moody just because they're younger, they might have value – um, but if you, but they're like, they're the only young pieces besides Brandon Pajemski, who had mixed reviews in his summer league debut and Trace Jackson Davis, who's going to be a role player. You know, I, I doubt he's ever going to be like a go-to star player, but if he turns into like a Kevon Looney or like a Draymond Green light, great. I, that's awesome. But you're, I don't think you're ever going to get a high scoring output from him or, or any type of, of numbers that are going to, you know, get him an all, all NBA selection or an all-star selection. Um, so the Warriors don't have a lot of youth. So if they decide to trade Kaminga and or Moody, I mean, that's an old team getting much older. And I think that's part of the reason why they did not trade either of those players this offseason. So I'm going to go with Chris Paul. That's interesting. I, I didn't really thought about that, but it does make a lot of sense for Chris Paul to be, if it doesn't work out, they're not married to it. The styles might not fit. We don't know exactly. how that works with his ball dominant style, his mid range style. It doesn't, it might not work out. And they might say, well, cool. We're just going to, we're just going to move on from this and try and resurrect whatever has gone wrong here. All right. Now let's look at the win total. Interestingly, Cyrus, we both went the same. We both went as a 48 and 34 record. Fangel has them at 48 and a half. So we've gone around that marks. So bang on. They were 44 and 38 last season. And part of the reason, maybe you can explain what your reasoning is as well, that the eighth best net rating plus 2.4 last season, but they had that insane road loss record. Like it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. And Andrew Wiggins missed about 50 games. And uh-huh. like they had the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green stuff going on. Like uh, it's way more likely to me they hit 50 than they are at 44 next season. Of course, if Steph goes down, they'll win 20 games. But you know, it's very hard to, to factor all that stuff in. But so many things actually did go wrong last season, yet they still got to 44 games. True. Yeah, I mean, first of all, when you asked me this question, I thought you were asking what the odds makers are placing ah. at, um, which is why I gave you forty eight point five. So I, I think that if you're if you're a gambling man or a gambling individual, I apologize. Um, bet the under. I would bet the under. I, I don't think this is a team that's going to win fifty games this year. Um, I think the forty four and thirty eight last year was reflective largely. And especially that abysmal road record because they were they were fine at home. I think they had the they second best record at home, and, and their defense was good at home. On the road, they were awful, uh, and a huge part of that it, it was uh, the depth. They had no depth. I mean, this is a team like look the, the type of players that thrive at home and struggle on the road, especially the way the Warriors did, are role players, young players who again need that home crowd for the energy and who let opposing crowds get inside their heads. And the Warriors, that's what happened. They had a starting five that 
for about a third of the season, was number one in the NBA. But their bench was abysmal. I mean, you, you saw Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. These were two-way players getting real minutes. They were getting more minutes than Kaminga and Moses Moody and almost anyone else. Gary Payton II didn't even play until the postseason. I mean, they got him in a midseason trade, but he was hurt and that weird little drama with the Trailblazers. <laughs> um, so, they, I, yeah, so the 44-38 and 38 record last year, and especially the, the awful road record, the, one of the worst in the NBA, that was reflective of a very poor bench. They did improve the bench substantially, so I give them credit for that. Um, but the reason why I don't think they're going to go over 48, like I'm going to guess 45 would be my my guess for, for the total number of wins, is because the rest of the conference got better. It's not like the Warriors are looking around That's at true. a landscape where other teams regressed or lost. Like you look at the, the Nuggets. The Nuggets might be the one team that lost a couple of pieces, and they might take a step back. I don't see the Clippers getting worse. I don't see the Suns getting worse. I don't see the Sacramento Kings getting worse. And the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, I, maybe it's a push there. I mean, th th this is a very deep conference. The Lakers mm. got better. And I, don't, I still don't know how the Warriors are going to counter the Lakers' size. That that remains a question that I don't have an answer for. Um, so I'm going to go with 45 wins for the over-under because yeah. this is an aging team that's going to be resting their players a lot this season. So the regular season will not be a primary focus. I think you're going to see a similar approach this season as we saw last year to the regular season, except thankfully this time uh, they don't have Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb on the bench for Steve Kerr to uh, to go to. Um, I mean, look, sometimes coaches have hey, their just, favorites. Just wait till he yeah. uh, just wait till he discovers Corey Joseph. He has a chat to, <laughs> to Dwayne Casey. <laughs> like, no, you're yeah. right. You're right. But I, so I, to me, Corey Joseph is a real player. Like to me, uh, he's, he's still he's way bad. better than, hey, he's than Ty Jerome. Oh, he's better than Ty Jerome. Yeah, but he's, all, <laughs> That's my he's also but he's also bad. Yeah. And just to give an example of this, I mean, like uh, Rick Carlisle, when he was coaching the Mavericks, used to love feeding the ball to Harrison Barnes. Like he would, he hmm. would uh, 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 set up plays for him. He would oftentimes out of timeouts call plays for Harrison Barnes with Luka Doncic on the roster. So the team had to literally trade Harrison Barnes to save Rick Carlisle from himself. And and to me, the Ty Jerome, uh, Anthony Lamb thing is very similar. These are two players that for whatever reason, Steve Kerr loved them. And, and thankfully they're not there. Let's play. Let's play a game, Cyrus. Let's 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 do, let's let's do, do a gritty. So we've got the Warriors, and we're playing the grid game here. So you can only choose, you know, the rules. You can only play one person. They can only appear in one square. If you get it wrong, you get the maximum score for that. And what we're trying to do here, in order to get the lowest score possible, we're looking for a, the player of rank them all out, and if, in terms of games played for each team, and then chosen the minimum game. Well, whatever their lowest number was. Say someone played 100 for uh, Golden State and 50 for Dallas, then that 50 counts. And then rank them okay. all based on that lowest game for the team. So you know, what you're ideally looking for is someone who made like one or two appearances for either team on that grid. And then the last one is a player who, who got 100 blocks in a season while playing for the Golden State Warriors. That's your last square there. So where are we wow. going to hit first? We've got Mavericks, Nets, Knicks, Wizards, and Hawks. Before we start, how long did this take you to put together? Was this a time-consuming project to get nah, every show on well, grid? Haven't done them all. Haven't done them all yet. Like we're only, I'm okay. sort of, I'm sort of just putting, laying the uh, the railroad tracks Gosh. down as the trains coming forward. It's all just happening the day in advance. So it's not all Good done. Good job. Good job. All right, where are we so going to go? So I'm going to say, uh, so so Warriors Mavericks, right? Is that what we're? we're I, have to, I have to think yep. of a player to play for both teams. Both teams, and you want to go for as as fewer games as as possible for yeah, either of those teams. Someone who's yeah, a yeah. little bit rare to try and beat your fellow fellow locked on hosts here. Yeah, I this is like my I, I'm usually good with trivia, but these grids are, are kind of difficult for me. Um so 
Warriors, Mavericks. I'm trying to think of a player that's obscure that played on both teams, but for the sake of time, not to bore the audience, I'm going to go with Harrison Barnes. It's an easy one, but he he played for both. Um, he did play for both. I was both. thinking maybe I was thinking maybe Jason Terry, but I don't think he ever played for the Warriors. So I'm going to go Harrison Barnes for that first box. Yeah, well, lucky you did go with Harrison Barnes because Jason Terry did not play for the Warriors. But Barnes, Good. I thought it would be a much higher score here, but it's a 48.23, so it's right in the, right in the middle. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty good result. So Barnes at forty eight point two three. I tell you what would have been a, a really good one. There was a, a, a Rajah Bell um, was a good Chucky Brown oh, was a good yes. one as well. Chucky yes. Brown. What about Kalina Azabuke who played three games oh. for the Mavs? He <laughs> yeah. played he played a lot for the Warriors, but he snuck three in there for the Mavs. He would have been a good one. All right, which one are we going at next? And Kalina Azabuke is currently the color commentator he for the is, Golden State yeah, Warriors. Uh, good good dude. Uh, I'm gonna go D'Angelo Russell for the Nets. All right now. That's a good one because he didn't play many games for the Warriors because he was traded pretty quickly. He, right. ooh, how many games do you think? That's it. That is a, actually a really a really common one, but also a really popular popular answer. Okay. But it's no, it's actually a really good score. How many games do you reckon he played for the Warriors? Thirty. Yeah, he played thirty-three. Thirty-three. So, okay. So it's like half, half a season. D'Angelo Russell gets it done there. So that's actually a pretty good score, getting that name, which everyone sort of knows about, but he just never played for the Warriors. All right, we're going to go Knicks next, or you got another one you want to attack? Uh, the next one, the next one's hard. I'm going to go, uh, oh, this is, this is, these are all really hard. Like, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can think of a single, oh no, I can't think of a Hawks one. For the Warriors Hawks, I'm going to go Kent Bazemore. Oh yeah, Kent Bazemore. Did he, did he have two stints for the Warriors? He, I, believe he did and he might have a third stint as crazy as it sounds Kent Bazemore was just listed as one of five players who are coming into the Warriors for a oh, trial yeah. like if man if Kent, ba <laughs> if Kent Bazemore comes back um unfortunately that it's true he's played for both teams but he's also got a score of 97 because he played oh he played 172 games for Golden State and 355 for Atlanta so oh, that's okay, a lot so of games welcome. Who else could you... I'll tell you who you could have gone with there. Marco Bellinelli was uh, not a bad one. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, actually, an absolute cracker would have been Dwayne Dedman, who played four games for Golden State. See, I didn't even know he played for Golden State. That's he crazy. Played, I, what, think he, what year? I think he started with Golden State, like, the very start of it, and then he was out of the league, then he came back. I'm pretty pretty sure that's what happened there. All right, wow. where are we going? Knicks. Uh, Knicks. Knicks, I'm going to go John Starks. Oh, Ooh, I like, I, like Ooh, I know it gets a high score for the Knicks, but he didn't play that much for the Warriors. That is um, correct. Let me have a look where Johnny Starks. Oh, he played. Oh, it's not a bad score. It's you get a thirty-three for that one because he played one hundred and nineteen games uh, for the Warriors, but obviously played a lot more for the Knicks. He's one of those guys that at the end of his career really, um, really jumped around. You forget about it a little bit. Um, that he, yeah, that he did that. He's not. I always just like, oh yeah, John Starks played for the Knicks, but no, he did move around quite a bit. So, do you want to do the Wizards now, or do you want to go to the hundred block season? I'll save the I'll save the hundred blocks for last because I I have I hope a good answer for that. Um, for the Wizards, I'm trying to okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Tom Gugliotta. Tom Gugliotta, yeah, that's actually. Oof, I didn't I didn't realize he played so little for Golden State. He only played forty yeah. games for Golden State. That is a good one. All right, so Gugliotta, who was back when I started collecting basketball cards, one of those guys that you just got all the time as a as a rookie coming through for the Wizards. <laughs> Always there, Gugliotta. Um, all right, so that's an 11, 11.64 for Tom Gugliotta. All right. all right, so now let's do blocks. So the way you get a better score on this one, they've got to have 100 blocks in a season, but they've also whoever's played the fewest games in their career for the Warriors is will get you the, the best score on that. 
I'm going to go. And before I answer this, one, I want to first say, uh, Josh, your, your show is so big. Like, like, I have people, random people who I meet when I, and when I tell them like what I do and they're like, wait, is there like a fantasy show with this Australian guy? You are immensely popular, my friend. So I just want to give you kudos for that. Thank you. Congratulations. Um, 100 blocks, Manute Bowl. 100 blocks in a season. Manute Bowl, that is correct. He had 100 blocks in a season, and he only played 160 games for the Warriors. So he is one of the better options. Cyrus, that is a pretty good effort right across the board there. Thanks, um, the guy who was the Lowest score there. You know, oh, well, you know who was the, the player who had 100 blocks in a season who played the fewest games for the Warriors was Chris Webber. His one year? I didn't think he got 100 blocks a year. Okay, yeah, there you go. Apparently right. he did. Got 100 blocks, played 85 yeah. games, and then that was it. And that is nope. that is it for us. Cyrus, tell us what's <laughs> going on over at uh, Lockdown Warriors. Uh, got Rick Buecher coming on uh, later this week. Um, I mean, this is obviously the doldrums. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is... Yeah, this and we've got a heat wave here while you're in the southern hemisphere, hopefully enjoying much cooler weather. Um, I'm in a house that doesn't have air conditioning, so I've had to be creative in terms of scheduling these shows during the summer. But Rick Buecher's coming on, and uh, the, mo- the thing I'm most excited for is sometime in the next week or two, we're going to have a Warriors assistant coach come on the program. Uh, I'm saving the name as a surprise. Um, so once that is finalized, uh, I will announce that on our show's Twitter account. That's at LockedOnDubs. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. No problem, man. Go check out Cyrus and Locked On W. Locked On W. Locked On Warriors uh, over there. Thanks a lot, man, for coming on. Always a pleasure, brother. Thank you, Josh. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app if you're here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.